Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field. And bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Welcome back. It is Tuesday. It is time for the next edition of your favorite Raiders podcast. With all due respect to our friends who host other Raiders podcasts, we're telling you, you like ours best. Anyway, it's time for Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast covering your Las Vegas Raiders. We appreciate you subscribing. If you don't already subscribe to the show, make sure you do it. Put on the auto downloads. Every time we push a show, you're going to know it. For those of you brave hearts watching us on YouTube, yo, yo, hello, good to see you. Leave some comments there on the side. We will get back to you as well as we are in there chopping it up with you. Those of you that are uh, sitting there and are sane and talking to us, we talk to you. But if you're not a bot, we're good. Anyway, uh, this show is not just me. This show is me and my partner. That, of course, is Mo Moten. Mo is the national NFL writer for Bleacher Report, covers the entire league. As far as the Raiders go, he writes about the Raiders up on sportsnot.com. You can follow him on Twitter, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. You can also follow me at LV Gully. You can also check out my latest piece on why Tom Brady will be a 49er, not a Raider, up on sportsnot.com as of today. So check that one out as well. Mo, uh, here we are. We're going to get to the championship games. Lots to talk about there. And I think Bengal fans and Raider fans might have a little bit more camaraderie after what happened in Kansas City. It's a conspiracy, Scott. The NFL hates <laughs> the NFL hates the Bengals and the Raiders, and the NFL yeah. loves the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes. As you all saw last night, I believe the Bengals actually have a legitimate gripe. Yep. But as as I I was Midtown Mo today, so I was in the Bleacher Report Midtown Studio. Midtown Mo in the studio. <laughs> I yeah. had it. I had it. I had this take. I understand why Bengals fans are upset. Yeah. But this is the same thing I tell Raiders fans when they complain about officiating and bad calls, that you can find holding calls that are missed in every single football game. Sure. You can find a bad call in every single football game. What I don't get is, yes, Joseph Asai made a mistake, and on that very play, the referees missed a holding call on Orlando Brown Jr. But no one's paying attention to the Bengals special teams unit allowing Sky Moore to return the ball to the 50-yard line. <laughs> Knowing is paying attention to Joe Burrow throwing two interceptions and allowing two 
Chiefs rookie cornerbacks to pick passes off. No right. one is paying attention to giving up field, you know, uh, field position to allow the Chiefs to kick that 45-yard field goal yeah. before before Mahomes runs out of bounds. And by the way, he was out of bounds, and guy pushes him. That's a that's a fair call. That unnecessary sure. roughness is a fair call. So, as I say to any fan, before you argue about bad officiating and bad calls. Look at what your team did to get in that situation. Now, the Bengals are one and three in a red zone. That means they scored one touchdown, kicked two field goals. If one of those field goals is a touchdown, you're talking about a 24-23 game in favor of the Bengals. So I don't want to hear right. crying about bad calls, referees. There are things the Bengals yeah. could have done to win that game. And you know, and we're going to get into the game. I was sitting with Bengal fans, and uh, when they got the fumble from Mahomes and couldn't capitalize on it, I said that was not a good omen. But we're going to talk about that. I do believe that Kansas City does get favorable treatment. I'm not saying that it's fixed. I'm not in the conspiracy thing. This whole NFL is scripted thing is getting huge. With the it goes along with the Demar Hamlin has a clone thing. It's crazy. Um, but but we'll get into that as we talk about the game. First, I want to talk about some uh, breaking Raider news that we had uh, on Monday, Mo, and that was Albert Breer on Monday Morning Quarterback Sports Illustrated. Touched on Derek Carr. Uh, Breer talked about Carr and that uh, the market for him in the trade market, that is, has not materialized outside of conceptual conversations. That's a quote from Albert Breer's piece. He also talked about, uh, he said, quote, my understanding as of right now is the Raiders have not granted Carr's camp the ability to seek a trade. And even though there are aforementioned teams out there with needs, dealing him before February 15th deadline with its $33 million base for next year and seven and a half guaranteed in 2024 won't be easy and absolutely won't be on the Raiders roster past that date. So there is an idea that teams that are interested in him should just wait for Vegas to cut him. Now, Mo, a couple things. Half a Raider nation, I think they're the ones who really were not happy with the Raiders moving on from Derek Carr are blasting the team that they weren't able to trade him. <laughs> you, By the way, you can't even entertain offers until the championship games are over, just so people know. Um, but all this stuff happening, they want to blame the Raiders on that. Uh, the market hasn't, quote-unquote, materialized. What's at play here? You have, I know you have a take on this. I want to hear, uh, with this news that came out on Monday, what you think of this and the Derek Carr situation. Why hasn't the team given the agent approval to do it, and does it speak to anything that's happened or any animosity? What's going on here? Now, I'm not in these, these discussion rooms with Raiders officials and decision makers, so I don't know what's behind not giving Carr and his camp permission to seek a trade. But I am wearing my Got Sources t-shirt, Tim. You can see that. <laughs> and uh, uh -oh. I, I was talking to someone who covers the Raiders very closely, and he brought up a point that I didn't consider. Now, with these rumors about Aaron Rodgers, right, there are rumors going mm -hmm. out that the Packers are ready to move on from Aaron Rodgers. We don't know what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson. I think he'll be back in Baltimore, but we don't know yet. With those two guys possibly available, Teams may not be willing to go after Carr because they may feel like they have a shot at Rodgers or Lamar Jackson. That's that's the isn't point. He that, isn't he just as good? No. <laughs> <laughs> that was a rhetorical both the, question. Both the, I know, but both <laughs> but for the people who think Carr is better than Lamar Jackson, Ugh. let's let let's not forget Lamar Jackson has a league MVP. I know he's not a polished passer. He's not a, maybe as good of a passer as Carr, but 
if you're thinking about bringing a Lamar Jackson because he can immediately transform your offense and you're willing to build around him with a strong run game, you would prefer Lamar Jackson than a Derek Carr. Also, Lamar Jackson is more mobile. Now, I brought the point that Lamar Jackson isn't as durable. Over mm-hmm. the last two years, he's missed 10 games. So that's something you have to contemplate. But there, I'm sure there are teams out there that would prefer Lamar Jackson over Derek Carr any day of the week. So with those two guys in the trade rumor mill, teams who think they have a shot at either of those guys may say, well, we'd rather go after one of those guys. And if we can't get those guys because they're staying with their teams or they choose another squad to go to, then we'll go after Derek Carr as a third or fourth option. So that may be slowing the market for Derek Carr. Also, I think Albert Breer brought this up in his piece that a lot of some teams that may want a quarterback don't have an offensive coordinator or head coach. Yeah. So you're not gonna you're not gonna negotiate with a quarterback or a potential free agent pickup until you get your head coach, your coaching staff in place to see what they want. So that could also be slowing things up. There's still, I believe four or five openings left because Wright got hired in Carolina. So there's still a handful of openings out there. Mm-hmm. Houston Texans is being one of them and they need a quarterback. If they wanted Derek Carr, they have to get their coaching staff intact in first. So those two aspects, having Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers floated out there in trade rumors and teams needing to put their coaching staff together could be slowing down the market for Derek Carr. So it's not just because fans are saying that it's because the Raiders are incompetent and they're angry about it, um, like we've seen on Monday and Tuesday. You, uh, I, I, really quick, you, yeah. I think, and I'm not blaming all fans of this, but and and that, like I said, I spoke to someone close to Raiders that brought the point about Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson slow down cars market. I didn't think of that, but you have to look at the big picture when you mm. when you look at these quarterback markets. Yeah. What would teams? What are teams thinking about? Well, how are they prioritizing certain guys who may be available? And if you're being honest, like I said, Derek Carr is at least fourth on the list right now of quarterbacks who may be available if you count Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, and of course Tom Brady. Yeah, and we have no way of knowing. To your point, I mean, it's it's great that you you talk to someone that covers the team that that gave you that point of view because it's a great one. I don't think you're right. I don't think most people think about. It. They're thinking about Derek Carr and the Raiders trading him. They're not thinking about the rest of the market and how that could impact it, especially with those two massive names out there uh, as well. But I also think you know, look, might be a lot lesser, might not be a big deal, but all this, the drama around this too, with how it ended and then his brother going out too, it just you don't know where it's coming from. It might not be reason A, B, C, or even D. It could be reason W. I don't know. But uh, certainly it's just been kind of weird offseason. But but hopefully the Raiders and Derek Carr are able to move on uh, sooner versus later. All right, Mo. For the rest of this segment, we're going to get into the AFC-NFC Championship games, which I know we're going to talk about a little bit. By the way, the next segment we're going to talk about a lot, the beginning of the 49ers and and uh, Eagles game. Um. Brock Purdy came out, did pretty well running that offense. They go down, they score 7 nothing. Suddenly, I'm seeing a lot of people, see, it's all about defense. You don't even need a quarterback. Brock Purdy goes out with an injury, what, after six snaps, I think it was, or seven snaps? And after the first drive. After the first drive. And the 49ers get Josh Johnson, who gets injured, and they cannot move the ball. They have no quarterback. They have to put Purdy back in, who can't throw more than five yards. And so that dominant defense, imagine they couldn't hold the Eagles to six points, (laughs) right? So that team, though, that game was so odd to me, Mo. I really thought you and I both picked the 49ers. We look stupid now, but who knew the quarterback would go down? But I I think that that game, so many weird things happened early on. And then when Purdy goes out, 
And Josh Johnson came in, and you knew they were going to go down a level just because he hasn't played as much. But you, at least they had a quarterback. But then to lose this team with quarterbacks is insane. Uh, but at the same time, that aside, the Eagles, again, dominated. They have dominated through the regular season. They've dominated through the playoffs. The defense, offense does just enough with Jalen Hurts that they have to do. They're going to be tough to beat. I don't think Kansas is going to beat them. But nonetheless, that game showed you just how good I think the Eagles can be. Without the quarterback, I get it. But still, that Eagles team, especially defensively up front, Mo, wow. Def, I mean, once first of all, once Purdy went out, I knew it was over. Yeah. Because you're you're bringing in Josh Johnson, who's a career journeyman. I believe that was his third stint with the 40. This is his third stint with the 49ers. He's been over, <laughs> he's been on over a dozen NFL or football teams. Yeah. There was no way that they were gonna win with Josh Johnson there. And you saw why he's been a career journeyman. He fumbles the snap. Mm -hmm. uh, Philadelphia scores twice before halftime, goes up 21-7. Kyle Shanahan's teams have had issues coming from behind as it is. So to mm -hmm. be down by 14 with with a with your four-string quarterback, no chance. But I, I think that it also highlights the, the importance of <clears throat> complementary football because even with the dominant defense like the 49ers, that defense can't hold if the offense is not moving the football. So for the people that a lot of people say, well, the offense has nothing to do with the defense. And, oh, why are you blaming the offense for the defense giving up points? And I tell them, look at the 49ers game. That defense is elite. But the offense yeah. couldn't move the ball. So what happens? The defense gets gassed or on the field too long and they eventually crumble. Yeah, pretty remarkable. But I, I think that Eagles team, again, is going to be tough to beat. I don't think... I don't think the Chiefs beat them, uh, but we'll get into that as we get close to the Super Bowl. In the other game, the Chiefs and Bengals, I know we touched on at the top of the show because of the controversy. Listen, I, I, w I was going back and forth with some Chiefs fans on Monday who were taking me in the wrong direction, but I told them, look, I'm not saying that the Bengals lost because of the calls, to your point early on, but it was a poorly called game. <coughs> when, you, when you miss a clock issue, a running clock issue, and it takes you over a play to recognize and stop the game, that's a problem. This is the same crew that did the Super Bowl last year, by the way, and this is why Cincinnati people are so so sensitive to it because you remember that, that no call last year as well, a defensive call. And so you look at that stuff and you understand it. I did think, though, that the first half was pretty smooth. Of course, the Chiefs dominated the first half. Bengals, traditionally a second-half team, they came out, they gutted it out. Patrick Mahomes gutted it out. What I didn't understand is because the game was such a good game uh, to watch. I mean, obviously, to me, it's going to be the better game between that and the Super Bowl. But you you look at it and you say, um, all of these Chiefs players were talking about how they weren't getting any respect. Mo, I don't know about you, but with all due respect, I saw fellatio on, on Patrick Mahomes all week. I mean, the media loves Patrick Mahomes. He's the best quarterback in the NFL, by the way. I, I think he is. I know Raider fans don't want to hear it, but he is. They got all the pubs. So I don't understand where this attitude from the Chiefs of no one was just been out. I know the mayor of Cincinnati is an idiot, and what he said was ridiculous. But the, the Bengals overall, except for the Burrowhead thing, the Bengals didn't really talk that much. Joe Burrow didn't talk that much. I don't understand what the Chiefs' issue was. I'll defend the Chiefs on this one. I know okay. this is a Raider podcast, and I shouldn't oh, do that because okay. that's sacrilegious. But <laughs> when the Chiefs traded Tyreek Hill... Mm -hmm. A lot of people either question whether that offense would be as prolific or would 
the Chiefs offense come down a bit. And we even questioned it a bit. Because remember, we said, are the Chiefs going to be that, what they were in previous years without Tyreek Hill? Right. So I think that was that that was part of it. Because they did finish with the number one scoring offense without Tyreek Hill. With a bunch of Amazing. average receivers, the best receiver they had all year with consistency is Juju Smith-Schuster. And of course, they have Travis Kelsey. But as far as their wide receivers are concerned, it was Marquez Velasquez who's had drop issues in Green Bay. It was Kadarius Tony who they acquired midway through the season from the Giants. It was Miko Harmon who's missed half the season with a with a pelvis injury, and as I said, Juju Smith Schuster who got banged up Sunday night. So yep. for Patrick Mahomes to move the ball with a bunch of you know CC plus receivers and Travis Kelsey who by the way went into the game questionable with back spasms, it it shows that. Even without an elite wide receiver, Patrick Mahomes can still get it done. And it shows the value of having a top-tier quarterback that he can mm. elevate the supporting cast around him. He doesn't need, you know, two number one wide receivers to move the ball downfield. So I will defend the Chiefs on that one. And we're gonna get we're gonna get into the quarterback. Uh, do you need the top-tier quarterback like that, or is it defense? We're gonna get that in, in the next segment. But I do want to say before we move off the championship game, because I know everybody's probably tired of hearing about it and they're like, we don't care because it's not the Raiders. Um, but what's interesting, too, about that Chiefs game is the fact that by every stretch of the imagination, um, really, Cincinnati should have won the game. It, it, that offensive line, it goes to show you, you can have a great quarterback and all that. But Joe Burrow, I think he was under pressure 46% of the snaps. Like, it's brutal, right? He got sacked six times. So, so you can you can be that good, and he almost he almost still won the game, which shows you what a quarterback at that level is able to do uh, when he doesn't have the talent up front. And you talked about it with Mahomes not having the receivers uh, and a banged up Kelsey as well. So, so it goes to show you how they can transcend the game and really take the team on their shoulders, so to speak, offensively. Now they can't do it defensively. Chiefs defense did pretty well overall up front against that patchwork offensive line. So it'll be interesting. I, I again, I, I thought it was a great game to watch. And um, I don't think they have a chance to beat the Eagles, but what do I know? Patrick Mahomes pulls the, the, the rabbit out of the hat all the time. I can't believe how that guy slips away and throws the ball and dishes the ball. It's, I, I think Tony Romo made the, the inappropriate <laughs> reference to Michael Jordan, but it is like a basketball point guard, Mo. The way he dishes the ball like that, just when you think you got him, there's a no-look pass, and suddenly the guy's scoring on you. So uh, remarkable, and I know Raider fans hate him because he talks like Kermit the Frog and all that stuff, but it's simply just the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Here's why I say the referees hose the Bengals. Mm -hmm. Now, without that, with that third down do-over, even though the Chiefs didn't capitalize and score, they added an extra minute and 10 seconds to that Chiefs drive. Can you imagine if the Bengals had that extra minute and 10 seconds after Buckner makes that game-winning kick? That's yeah. enough time for Burrow to get down the field and get his team into field goal position to tie the game or score a touchdown and win it. So, right. That's why I was side with Bengals fans where they got holes because that's a minute and 10 seconds burned that they shouldn't have had yeah. on the clock. Absolutely. No, good thought. All right, well, the Super Bowl set, Eagles and the Chiefs. We will talk to, talk about that as we roll up to it. All right, we're going to take a break now, uh, and when we come back, we're going to talk about do you need, in the NFL, is it all about the quarterback or is it all about the defense? Is it both? We're going to talk through that when we come back here on Silver and Black today. An Odyssey original podcast. You're with Mo and Scott. Don't go anywhere. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you need a top five quarterback to get in and win the Super Bowl? That's the question we're going to have now. Or is it a defense? Do you need a top tier defense or is it both? Or is it somewhere in between? That's what we're talking about on this segment of Silver and Black Today and Odyssey Original Podcast. If you haven't subscribed already, please do us a favor and subscribe. Hit on auto download. Join us on our YouTube chat as the show plays right here. For those of you over there, we appreciate it and appreciate interacting with you as well. I am Scott Cobranson, your host, along with my co-host, Mo Moten, who's a national NFL writer at Bleacher Report and the Raiders columnist at SportsNot.com. You can catch our work up there as well. Okay, Mo, let's dive into this because the, the argument, once the Raiders started to, to signal and then officially made the move to move away from Derek Carr as their quarterback... All I heard, again, just like the Carr argument, when Carr was in the plans for the Raiders, you have this divide. You have a lot of fans who are like, we need a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, like Joe Burrow, like Jalen Hurts to win. And then everybody else is saying, no, stupid. You can have a good quarterback, but you need a defense. Look at the defenses out of the last... Out of 48 Super Bowls, I think it's like, or out of the 57 Super Bowls, 50, 48 of them have been top 10 defenses, right? Mo, what is the truth there? When you look at this objectively and say, okay, what what is the balance here? Can you win with a dominant defense like San Francisco but have an average quarterback? Or do you have to, in today's NFL, have a quarterback that can really move the ball like we saw with Burrow, like we saw with Mahomes, like we saw with Jalen Hurts? Uh, what is the truth here? Or tell us what your view is on on that kind of headbutting around defense versus quarterback versus quarterback versus defense. You can win it both ways, but mm. you need you need both. Look at the Chiefs last night. Look at the Chiefs Sunday night, right? Yeah. Yes, Patrick Mahomes threw for over 300 yards. Patrick Mahomes made the big play on the run and drew the unnecessary roughness call. I get that. But the Chiefs also sacked Burrow a handful of times, mm-hmm. picked them off twice. So do the Chiefs win that game without their defense forcing those turnovers and getting to the quarterback? Who knows? If Burrow's moving up and down the field, then Burrow probably wins a scoring shootout. See, people don't under, people don't know this. A lot of people don't know this because the Chiefs' defense doesn't get a good rep. But the Chiefs lead the league in quarterback pressures. Mm-hmm. Their front, their the front of their defense is legit. Their front seven is legit. Frank Clark, Nick Bolton. Willie Gay, George Karloftis made had a sack Sunday night. Chris Jones Draft went pick, off. Yeah. So 
you have to understand that you need balance. And I keep saying this, complimentary football, complimentary football, you need it on both sides of the ball. Sure, you can get it done with a dominant defense and average quarterback. I think it's a lot harder in today's NFL because you're going to you're gonna face some elite-level quarterbacks in the conference championship or the Super Bowl, one or the other in both rounds. But your quarterback needs some help because if he has mm-hmm. to, you saw Josh Allen a year ago have a fantastic playoff game against the Chiefs and still lose. <laughs> and I'll let you, a lot of people want to blame the overtime rules for that, but the Bills' defense couldn't stop the Chiefs. Yeah. So they still lost. So you can have a quarterback go off and throw for three, four touchdowns and 350 yards. But if your defense can't stop a nosebleed, you could still lose a scoring shootout. You can have a dominant defense, but if your offense is not moving the football as you saw at the 49ers on Sunday, then that defense is going to eventually wear down because they're going to be on the field for so long. So I hate the Twitter, the social media argument where it's either this or that. It's never <laughs> it's this or that. This Usually or that. it's always this or that. It's, it's, but the, yeah. The true answer is usually you need a blend of both. You need a blend of both. And it's exactly the point that I make when I have discussions with folks because they're like, no, it's all about defense. We can't, we can't draft a quarterback. Speaking of the Raiders, that is. We can't draft a quarterback. It's got to be all defense, and then we'll just worry about quarterback next year. And it's like, you can't do that. You need to address when you have major concern. And let me tell you, in the NFL, Mo, not having a starting quarterback is a big concern. You cannot not address it, right? You, and you can't just say, oh, well, let Stidham be the guy. Because those are the same people that when Stidham starts the season off terribly are going to be like, why didn't we get a quarterback? So the truth is, to your point, the truth is in today's NFL, yes, you still have to have a good defense. The, the kind of idea when all these offenses started going crazy and the spread offenses came in into the NFL, the idea that you no longer had to have a very good defense. I'm not saying you have to be top five. The Bengals were top five. Chiefs, I think, are 12, right? 12 or 13, somewhere around there. And uh, mid-pack. a mid-pack, right? But they have, they have, like you said, the number one scoring offense. So, so they make up for it, and that's the point. So if you're, if you're in the 10 to 15 range on, on defense, your offense has got to be top three. If you're top five offense, top five defense, great. You're in perfect balance. Does that happen all the time? No, it doesn't. Sometimes it does, and those teams tend to be very good. And so I see it that way, too. I think that when you're looking at it from the Raiders' perspective and you can learn from these two teams – uh, and it came differently for Kansas City. They got the quarterback first, and then they built up the defense over time. And when Spagnuolo came in there and, and turned the defense around, so you look at that and you say, "Boy, you got to address both simultaneously." And I think that's what the Raiders need to do. And we're going to talk about uh, next segment what you and I would do with the Raiders, particularly at some of those key positions when it comes to free agent and draft. But to me, that's the lesson to take away from the AFC and NFC championship games is you can't wait to build one and say, okay, we got a top top 10 defense, now let's go get a quarterback. No, you have to do it simultaneously, and you have to get good at both spots, and it is attainable. And the other thing is, look at the Rams who won the Super Bowl last year. Their defense was ranked 15th in scoring, 17th in total yards. They were a middle-of-the-pack defense, but what happened? They acquired Von Miller, upgraded their pass rush, which helped them down the stretch. So statistically... Their defense wasn't even top of the rank. It's just that they were strong in the pass rush and matched up well against the Cincinnati Bengals. It was a close Mm -hmm. game. But I don't think the Rams win unless that defense gets up to par on the pass rush. I don't think they win with just a strong defense and a pass rush if Matthew Stafford isn't playing at the top of his game and not turning the ball over. So, again, complimentary football is what you need. And, And as you said, 
You don't just build up one side of the ball and wait for the next year to build up the other side of the ball. You take your swings on both sides. Fill all your try to fill as many holes as you can during the offseason because if you pass on quarterbacks this year, you yep. could be passing up on, on a future star. Yep. And that's the thing to me is you have to be able to address concerns all at once. I'm not saying right. they're going to get 100 percent right. done on defense rebuild right. here. But you, gotta but try. you have you got to try. You got to try. And and to me, that's the biggest thing is let let's see what they're able to do. And so for those fans out there that listen to us and say, no, it's got to be all defense. Yes, you got to do a lot on defense, but you also have to shore up the offense. You also start to think about uh, attrition. You start to think about, OK, you know what? If what happens, God willing, they sign Josh Jacobs. But let's say he doesn't. What do you do then? Then you got to think about running back. You got a couple guys that you drafted. By the way, you Dave Ziegler overlooked or didn't choose Pacheco, who had a great game and has a great season for the Raiders. By the way, he went one pick after um, for the Raiders as well. So you look at that and you say, okay, you got a lot to do there. So you have a lot of concerns, but you need to address them and you need to look at them both. So so when you say go defense, build a defense, yes. But when you say you have to think about that before the correct, no, you got to do it at the same time. And that's what I anticipate Dave Ziegler will do. How well of a job he does, Mo, will determine how well this team does next year. Drafting is important, as we know. And Again, I know this is a Raider podcast, and we we don't want to go too far into the Chiefs, but look at the Chiefs' secondary. Brian Cook is a second-round pick. He's a rookie. Joshua Williams, who picked off Joe Burrow Sunday night, fourth-round rookie. Jalen Watson, who picked off Joe Burrow last night, I believe a sixth, seventh-round rookie. Mm -hmm. Their rookies are making plays. George Kalaftis, their first round, are making plays. The the beginning of whether – what, regardless of what side of the ball you address, you need rookie contributors. You can't just you can't just flush away draft picks that the Rays have been doing in the previous years. It starts with building. I want to say it starts with building through the draft, but you need a good draft in tandem with a good free agent signing class to to get back in the mix. Yeah, and I know you say, well, it's a Raiders podcast. They don't want to hear about the Chiefs, but you have to look at the Chiefs because that's who you have to beat Beat. in order to win the division. And I know Raider fans, they don't they want to just get a wild card every year. They want to win the division. Right. You get a better seed, all that deal. You want to host a home game at Allegiant Stadium? Yeah, you do. So but to your point, before we go to the break and then come back and talk about how we would uh, restructure the, the Raiders. If you look at the Chiefs, these are draft picks last year. Cornerback uh, Trent McDuffie, like you said, uh, uh, six tackles, two passes defense. Carl uh, Loftus, you talked about, had a sack. Sky Moore, the wide receiver, three catches and that key punt return. Brian Cook, four tackles. Um uh, Joshua Williams interception, Jalen Watson interception, and Pacheco 85 yards. That was their seventh round draft pick. So every single player from rounds one to seven on the Chiefs contributed to their AFC Championship game win and their season, of course. But that's why, and 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 we'll do it, I guess, when we do a roundtable of the draft. Is just the 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 Gruden era, although it yielded a couple good people, it really set this team back because. When you just, I mean, look at the, now the Chiefs, that's an aberration. You don't hit on every player in every round every year, usually. There's usually one or two guys that just don't pan out for whatever reason, or they take time to develop. The Chiefs just did a good job this year of doing it, and that's why they're overperforming for where people thought they were going to be because of what they got rid of. So it just goes to show and underscore the purpose and the point around good drafts and making sure you get those young guys on, on rookie contracts into the building and contributing right away. Because also, and I think this point needs to be hammered home when you get guys on rookie contracts, you contribute right away. 
you can get rid of underperforming veterans who are on bloated contracts yes. because then you can say we'll we'll cut you and we have a rookie right behind you who's given us just yeah. as much if not more than you are so we can save money now by promoting a rookie and getting rid of a veteran who's not p- performing up to his deal absolutely all right we're going to take our second break here on silver and black today when we come back we're going to talk about mo and i are going to run down what we would do i have a couple key key mo will be obviously more detailed than i am because he always is but when we get into what will the raiders do to remake this roster i'm going to focus on quarterbacks and defensive players that i think in free agency they should they should pursue uh and we'll get into that when we come back from the break and give you a sense for where we would go if we were in Dave Ziegler's shoes, which we are not, but we're going to do our best to do that. You're listening to Silver and Black today in Odyssey Original Podcast. Don't go anywhere. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, Silver and Black. Today, the home stretch here on our Tuesday edition, the off-season podcast. Yes, the AFC and NFC championship games. Duh. Crazy stuff. Chiefs and the Eagles in the Super Bowl out in Glendale, Arizona. We'll talk about that in the coming week. But right now, we're still focused on the Raiders, of course, and what the Raiders are going to do. So, on the show right now, you have co-GMs. You have Mo Midtown Mo. Moten there, and then you have Scott here, uh, and we're going to give you our plans. How do you how do you beat the Chiefs? The Chiefs again, five straight AFC Championship games at home, going to the Super Bowl again with a chance to win another trophy, which would, they would then equal the amount of trophies won by the Raiders. By the way, if the Chiefs win, so I know Raider fans are going to root really hard against them because it's the one thing they have over Chiefs fans still. Um, but to unseat the Chiefs in the AFC West, the Raiders got to get a lot better. What are they going to do in order to do that? We know they need to get a quarterback. We know they need to do an offense. But we're going to give you some specifics. And, Mo, I want to start with you on the quarterback position. We've talked about Tom Brady. Now, I'll tell you, on Thursday's show, we're going to do a deep dive on Tom, on Tom Brady again and talk about why I don't think he's actually going to come to Las Vegas. We'll talk about that on Thursday. But when you look at the quarterback position and what they're going to do here – Clearly, you have Jared Stidham sitting there if they re-sign him and keep him as a backup. So you need to get a a starter in there, number one. And number two, you have to think about the future at quarterback as well. You could do the same if you get a guy you feel really great about and think you can start as a rookie. Great. If not, you got to get a bridge quarterback we've talked talked about so many times on this show. Mo, let's start with this. What do you do? What's your approach as a GM? I know there's a lot of unknowns right now, but just based on what we know and and the market out there, what's going on, what would you do starting with this team at quarterback heading into the draft and the free agent market? Are you ready, Raider fans? Cover your ears. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Sign Tom Brady. I know what you just said. <laughs> I know what you just said. Okay. I hear you. I know. You're already – you get. No, by the way, you are getting a lot of heat on Twitter – yeah, I am. From a lot of our listeners about that. Hey, you're the Brady. 
I'm like, oh my and, god. And it's so funny because I sat there and I watched the tuck rule. And I don't yeah. blame and I don't want to get off on a tangent on this, but I don't blame <laughs> Brady for that. He didn't make yeah. the call. Like yeah. blame the referee. Don't he benefited from the call, but it's not like Tom Brady put on a referee shirt and blew the whistle himself and called the, you know, had the tuck rule in his favor. And 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 God rest his soul, Franco Harris. This is why Phil Vellapiano and Franco Harris were good friends. Like it happened. They played it up, but they came very close friends. So Phil Villapiano, who lost the chance to go to the Super Bowl because of that play that hit the ground and he was clipped, the Immaculate Deception, okay, he was friends with the guy that did the play, but yet fans will not be happy if Tom Brady signed with the Raiders. It's very interesting. I'm signing Tom Brady. <laughs> look. If I'm the GM of the Raiders and I'm going into year two after a six and eleven season, I gotta win football games. And mm -hmm. I don't think signing Jacoby Brissett or re-signing Jarrett Stenham is gonna get me more than six wins. Tom Brady hasn't missed the playoffs since the year he sat out with the torn ACL in 2008. I was in college. I've been out of college for 15 years. Okay. That's how long it's been since Tom Brady has. I've been out a lot longer than that. So, I mean, I, if I want to win some football games and I want to bring some respect back to the Raiders organization and this team, I'm signing Tom Brady. But because I'm signing Tom Brady doesn't mean I'm not drafting a quarterback because I've said this all along. Regardless of what the Raiders do at the quarterback position, unless it's, you know, bringing in Lamar Jackson, which is. I said it's not going to happen. It's a pipe dream because he doesn't fit Josh McDaniel's system. Then you're drafting a quarterback just because you want to have quarterbacks in and out of the door. I would probably draft Tanner McKee out of Stanford in the second or third round if he's available because people will say, well, why are you doing that with Tom Brady? The Patriots also did it. Jimmy Garoppolo was a second round pick. Jacoby Brissett was a third round pick. Jared Stidham was a fourth round pick. Those guys were drafted during Tom Brady's time as a starter in New England. So it's not unheard of to have Tom Brady in your roster and still draft the quarterback. So, yes, I would sign Tom Brady, and I would still draft the quarterback in the second or third round. That's what I would do at quarterback. But go ahead, Scott. There you go. So so, so you're all in on Brady, and then you're getting a quarterback in rounds two through four-ish, somewhere like that. Okay. Correct. So, so I'm going the opposite approach here, right? And I think, I think bold times call for bold moves. Listen. Some of you who say they should trade up to the number one pick, no. The Bears, by the way, would ask for so much, you would be hampering yourself in the other areas you need to help with your team, okay? So mm -hmm. the only trade opportunity I see for the Raiders, if they really like one of the three quarterbacks, Stroud, Young, or Levis, is you can only target number three, the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals don't need a quarterback. Obviously, they have Kyler Murray. Behind them are two teams that do need a quarterback, and that is Indianapolis and Seattle. Even if Seattle, which I believe they're going to stay uh, and and stay with Geno Smith, re-sign him, which would be a smart move for them. Uh, and I still think that they're going to get a quarterback uh, there as well, too. So that means the Raiders have one opportunity, and that is to trade up to them. If they if they're I'm going on the assumption if I'm Dave Ziegler in his shoes right now, they love one of those guys. OK, whether it's Stroud, Young, whoever. And so what I'm going to do is I have draft capital from this year and next year. <clears throat> And I'm going to trade up to Arizona spot at number three, and I'm going to take um, I'm going to take C.J. Stroud. That's that's what I do, right? I take C.J. Stroud, and then I go I sign one of the other free agents, 
probably a guy. I know it's not going to make anybody excited. If you thought people didn't like Tom Brady, at least he wins. Uh, you sign Jacoby Brissett or somebody like that. I mean, there's Teddy Bridgewater. I think Brissett's better than Bridgewater, frankly. Um, and there's Garoppolo, which get he gets hurt too much. So I, I think you go get that 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 your your prize piece for the next 10, 15 years or 12 years, whatever it is, at quarterback, and you trade up and you get him. Now, I know you say these guys are not generational talents. I think Stroud and Levis, although I think Levis, as much as people love him, would take a little longer to develop. They both can fit in that system of Josh McDaniels well. Could Bryce Young? Yes, but he'll be gone. So to me, I think that you go up and you get one of those guys. You set the face of your franchise for the next few years. Yes, you have to develop him. Uh, you have to make sure you're able to do that, and you got to get the guy to come in and move that offense because that offense is going to do well. And by the way, if those young quarterbacks, one of that young quarterback that you take at three, if you can get move up to three, if they come along and they start in their first year, great. And you got a bet, you got a veteran as a backup, and it's great to go. If he doesn't, then you give him a year or two to develop, like we saw with Jalen Hurts. Uh, we saw with Patrick Mahomes after a year. Joe Burrow was thrown into the fire and got injured. But out of those guys, he was able to do those two guys were able to perform just fine if they were brought along well. And I think that's what the Raiders should do, quarterback. Thoughts? I'm actually not. I'm actually not opposed to that plan. That actually, I think I mentioned this on our previous show that that would actually be my plan if the Raiders don't get a Tom Brady. Right. So let's say the Raiders, you let's say, say Tom that. Brady signed, Tom Brady signed somewhere else, and the Raiders are left with Jimmy Garoppolo, Jacoby Brissett, and Jared Stidham. Mm-hmm. I would definitely totally move up to go get a CJ Stroud. He's the quarterback that I've targeted plenty of times. And then that's probably in the you then you move into the Pittsburgh Steelers lane where you have a veteran, they had Mitchell Trubisky, and then they drafted Kenny Pickett, who was later in the draft, by the way. But yeah. you go into the season and you you start your veteran, and until he flames out and gets hurt, or unless the rookie is ready to play from day one, then you have your rookie sit behind your veteran for a few games or several games and then Eventually, you turn it over to your rookie, which in this case, in your scenario, would be C.J. Stroud. That's a plan that I actually like if there's no Tom Brady. Yeah, and I, I, listen, I think the, 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 talking about trading up, trading down, all that stuff sounds great. It's hard, though, because you never know what else is going on, right? You don't know what the asking price. The Cardinals, they have a new GM. That new GM knows that the spotlight's on them. It's their first draft. They have the number three pick. They might not want to trade out of there. They, won't, they might want to just get their guy and get done with it. But you also have the Colts and the Seahawks. You say it's one spot or two spot. Yeah, they might want to trade up too. And then suddenly the Seattle Seahawks have more draft picks than the entire NFL. I swear to God, it's crazy. They have, they have what, 14 or 15 draft picks this year? It's insane. Or 13, I think it is. I'm exaggerating. But it's a ton. So, so if I'm the Seahawks and I want to move up to number three, I can give you a bunch. So that's where the Raiders might be hampered there. But if the Raiders can get a deal where they give up their own number one at seven – and then uh, a two or a three next year or whatever the compensation is, then you got to do it. But but that's all dependent on what happens there. So 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 I agree. I I, I just think, and we'll get into it next show. But I just don't think Brady's going to come to Las Vegas. I I don't I don't disagree with the strategy of trying to get him there. I just think when he looks at the situation, he's not going to go there. Okay, so there you have. That's one of the big positions, quarterback. Now we switch to the defensive side of the ball. Most so many needs. On this team, uh, we have needs up front. I'm actually going to start um, at linebacker and a guy that I really think they should target, a guy I've liked for a long time, and that is Levante David. I like him at, li- at linebacker. 
Uh, and I start with linebacker because I know you're going to go into defensive line. There's so many options there. You've mentioned a couple on previous shows, and we'll get there. But it has been such a black hole for the Raiders for so long. And here's a guy who's got a lot left in the time. I mean, look at his age. But but he's he's a guy that I like the way he plays. And I think how I've understood and watched Patrick Graham's system this this year, I think he fits nicely. I think he does, too. I think the major worry you mentioned his age is he going under sharp decline. Shirley didn't show it this past season. If I'm going with the linebacker position, I want to solidify the middle of defense. I'd probably go with Tremaine Edmonds if he hits the market. The Bills mm-hmm. have to let him uh, let him go for contractual reasons. I would take a look at Tremaine Edmonds because he's young. Tremaine Edmonds because he's younger. A lot of people say, "Well, he he played with a good defense. How how good do we know? How good can he be if he's not within a good defense? The Raiders don't have. So I, I would say you take a chance on a guy like that. He did go in the first round, so he obviously has the potential. So I wouldn't really doubt him too much, but he's a guy I would consider. The other position I think the Raiders should address in Frazier without a doubt is the cornerback spot. And I'm going to look at the same team that the Levante David played on this past season. That's T- Tempe Buccaneers. Jamel Dean could hit the market. Mm-hmm. And if Jamel Dean hits the market, I'm signing him because the Raiders have tried to fill the cornerback position. They just have not done well, it, whether it's due to trap or free agency. They've just struck out. I know Rocky Sin had a decent year, wasn't able to stay healthy down the stretch. But I-, I think the Raiders need to spend at the position and draft a guy because Nahabs did regress under Patrick Graham. So you bring in a veteran, you bring in a rookie just in case that regression continues. But Jamel D is the guy I'm looking at as far as the draft is concerned. Cam Smith, Clark Phillips III are two guys I'm looking at. Smith out of South Carolina, Clark Phillips out of Utah. Nice. Yeah, and and this is the thing, too, I want to say, because a lot of the Raiders fans that listen to us have said to me, especially since we're talking about defense, have said, we got to go out and sign some big free agents, and I'm fine. But you look at guys, and I know some of these guys, even though they're unrestricted free agents, they may end up staying with the team. You look at Philly's uh, defensive line, right? I think three of those four guys, those starters, are free agents, correct? Um, including Hargrave, right? You look at him; he's making tw- he's making twenty million this year. His they they say his market value was twenty. He's making twenty twenty point one this year, as well. Um, and or no, his contract is thirteen, so he's due for a raise, right? So his his value is up to twenty million. You're talking about paying twenty million. For a defensive tackle, uh, I don't. I don't know that you can put all the. I mean, you might be able to get one of those guys, but you have to prioritize, right, Mo? I think this is why the draft. And and I agree with fans. You got to hit on the draft with some defensive players, especially in the line defensive backfield, because uh, to me, the key prime free agents up front might be even with the Raiders' cash situation, might be out of touch or out of reach knowing that you have uh, all those other contracts to deal with, and you just gave Max Crosby his deal, Chandler Jones, you got to pay at least one more year. How do you see that defensive front and and what they're going to be able to do there on the free agent market? Are you like me thinking that they're going to have to probably fill most of it through the draft? I think they're going to have to go to the draft to fill their defensive tackle needs simply because they've already paid Bilal Nichols a lot, unless they try to move or cut Bilal Nichols. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to have to do it through the draft because I don't see Dave Ziegler spending, you know, 15 to 20 million on a defensive tackle at the free agent market. I, I like Javon Hargrave. I, I think he would be great for the Raiders. But if the Raiders do go for a defensive tackle for agency, it could probably be a guy like Larry Ogunjobi, who I've been calling for, I think, the previous year. He signed with the Steelers instead, but 
he's a guy I would look for because he wouldn't cost as much as a, as a Hargrave. Hargrave would probably be a dream scenario, and so would Deron Payne. Deron Payne is probably going to get tagged by the commander, so I don't even think he hits the market. But those two guys would be great to help the Raiders' defense. The problem is you can only spend but so much money. So if they get a veteran quarterback, if they get a Tom <laughs> Brady, if they go get a cornerback, if they sign a linebacker, a top linebacker, then that means the other positions of need they're going to have to address due to draft. I think defensive tackle being a non-premium position, they aren't going to want to pay top dollar for that. They'll go through the draft. Yeah, no, no question. Uh, all right, let's talk now um, quickly. And we're just doing this, you know, we're doing this off the cuff, so to speak. But you look at defensive backfield. We talked about um, Jesse Bates from Cincinnati at safety. There's a couple other safeties, a couple of cornerbacks. Um, I think this is going to be where they're going to have to go get a veteran at one of those spots, uh, but also supplement that with young players. They tried to do that in the last, what, three years, actually, if you look at some of the signings they've done. Um, but this one, you have to shore it up pretty quickly, especially being in the AFC West. Uh, Kellen Moore now is the play caller in, in Los Angeles for the Chargers. Um, what do you see there, Mo, that you like a defensive back as far as free agents go? I've been calling out for Jesse Bates. I understand he's probably going to cost a lot, though, because he's probably arguably the best safety that's going to hit the market. He's mm -hmm. been wanting a, a multi-year, a lucrative multi-year deal from the Bengals for a couple of years now. They have they have resisted doing that. Yep. So I, if the Raiders are going to spend big on a non-premium position, I think Jesse Bates can change the back into that defense because the Raiders need to force turnovers. They haven't been able to do that with any consistency in recent years. I believe they they're last in they were last interceptions this past season. So get a guy who's going to force turnovers, and Jesse Bates can do that. Yeah, and he he said in the Cincinnati papers that um, he wasn't going to play for less than ten million dollars. So there you go, you got some price there, <clears throat> and and I get it. He's been waiting, he's been tagged, uh, and so he's he now wants his money, and I get it. So we'll see, and I think it would be money well invested uh, invested. Excuse me, there for him. Now we go to the offensive side of the ball. I mean, listen. Right tackle. Uh, lots of, there's some good tackles. I mean, I know a lot of the mock drafts have the Raiders taking a tackle high at that number seven position. If they were to sign Tom Brady, I can see that happening. Uh, if they don't sign Tom Brady, they go quarterback. Let's just go into that assumption. We'll get both options from you. If they don't sign Brady, go quarterback. What is there anyone on the free agent market that intrigues you that would be available for the Raiders on that right side? I would say probably Kelvin Beecham. Kelvin Beecham is a name that I like. Isaiah Wynn, a lot of people are going to bring up that name because, for, you know, the pay, he, he's familiar with Josh McDaniels and that staff. But he had, he's injury prone. And if mm. you're going to sign him, you're probably going to draft a tackle anyway because you're not counting on him to play a full season. Beecham has been more consistent. Beecham hasn't been hurt as much as Isaiah Wynn. Beecham is not a big name, so you don't have to, you're probably not going to have to pay top dollar for him. I think that will be a good option for the Raiders if they're looking to fill or upgrade over Jermaine Illuminar. George Fan, who played with the Jets the past couple of years, is also a decent pickup. Although he was hurt last year, he's a decent alternative that you're not going to have to pay a whole lot of money to. Yeah, I think he's getting about two or three million, right, or three million from the Jets. Uh, but you look at Beecham uh, and Reisner, right? Reisner's another guy that's out there uh, as well. Yeah, he's a guard um, for. He plays right side though, does he not? I think he plays on the left side. He plays okay. There you go. So, the, hello, wake up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you look at that, uh, and and the rest of the market, you know, not not exactly 
uh, I think, hot. I mean, you look at, uh, we talked about McGinchy and, and the fact that he's kind of fallen off a lot. You have Orlando Brown, um, but I think he's going to stay in the fold with the Chiefs or go to a team that will give him the money. Young guy, 27 years old, right? So so he's a guy who can be there for years to come, but I don't know that uh, the Raiders are going to spend that kind of money, especially with the talent you're going to find in the draft. And remember, he wants to play left tackle. Yeah, he wants to switch over. So you would have he wants to because that's the reason he left Baltimore. Baltimore yeah. He was a right tackle at Baltimore. He signed with the Chiefs to play left tackle, and that's what the Chiefs needed after Patrick Mahomes got pummeled in that Super Bowl with the Tampa mm-hmm. Buccaneers. So remember, they rebuilt their offensive line over one <laughs> offseason, and Lorena Brown was one of the moves they made to acquire him. So I, he wants to stay left tackle like his dad played, and I think if, if the Raiders want to consider him, that means they would have to move Colton Miller to the right side. <laughs> Yeah, that's a risky proposition uh, with the way Colton Miller is. And, and, and like you said on a previous show, we've had guests on who talked about how it's like trying to write with your left hand when you're right-handed and vice versa, switching right. over. It's just a whole different game, and you don't want to do that. You want, And that's where the Raiders got in trouble under Gruden, right, which is the drafting guys and trying to play them in positions that they hadn't played before or only played briefly, and it just hasn't worked out. So. So I I don't support that unless something happens and you're not uh, you're not uh, gonna have confidence in Colton Miller, which wouldn't make sense anyway. When you, when you look, Mo, at, go ahead, go ahead, you had something else. What? And I know we're not getting to draft guys at right tackle, but I if the Raiders do sign Tom Brady, I would do exactly what the Buccaneers did: get a right tackle as one of your top draft picks. They got Tristan Wirfs in the first yes. round, and that all season they acquired Tom Brady. The Raiders, if they sign a Tom Brady. Go get Darnell Wright out of Tennessee. To me, yes. he's the guy to look out for. I think he's the top right tackle in this draft class. He is. Absolutely. That's an, I know a couple of the mocks that I saw had him going there as well. Mo, before we cut out of here, anything else when you look at what the Raiders need to do this season to start to look at unseating the Chiefs? What is there another player out there that you think is a must, or I shouldn't say a must go get, but a must want for this Raiders team that could make a huge difference, presumably on defense? Good edge rushers usually don't hit the market, so it's hard to find an edge yeah. rusher at the top of his game, as you saw with Chandler Jones. Big name, but he's on the downside. I think when it comes down to it, the Raiders are going to have to do it through the draft this year, simply because now, now, that's if they sign a Tom Brady. If they sign yeah. a Tom Brady, they're going to have to do a lot during the draft because that's money spent on a quarterback. If they mm-hmm. don't sign Tom Brady, then you can start. Think about overspending possibly for guys like, I don't want to say overspend, but spending big for guys like Javon Hargrave or, or Deron Payne if they hit the market. If one of those two guys somehow wind up on the market, the Raiders need to get one of them because that will help Max Crosby and Chandler Jones on the outside. Yeah, and and not only that, but it goes back to what we talked about in segment two about quarterback or defense, and that is if one is – is is a little behind the other then the other one's got to be better right so so if, if if you go with a rookie quarterback and you're going to have a or you have a bridge quarterback you got to build that defense and and compensate for what you might lack on the offensive side until you can develop it so uh that's a that's a great point about the draft and i think this is where we'll know if dave ziegler at least from the get-go can put this together and address the needs i mean we don't know if the players will work out it'll take time to see that but if he addresses the need and you see the draft, you say, okay, they've addressed all of these key positions that they've had and they supplemented it with free agent signings, then you can feel good about that and saying, okay, this is headed in the right direction, which I know is what Raider Nation wants. That's all they want is to see that things are going in a positive direction. So we'll see. All right, Mo. Well, we're going to cut out of here for this Tuesday. We'll be back on Thursday. We're going to talk some more 
about Tom Brady, quarterback, and all that stuff uh, on that show, as well as uh, the latest Raiders news and updates. And we're also going to get to your mail. So let's do that as well. Man, it goes by so quickly. Sometimes it does. Sometimes not so much. <laughs> Sometimes Scott just drones on and I'm going to get out of here. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Okay, cool. Said, but... uh, anyway, we will talk to you on Thursday, my friend. Make sure you check out Mo's work up on Bleacher Report and SportsNot.com. You also need to follow him on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. Also, do not forget the reason he is now called Midtown Mo. <laughs> is because he's doing the Bleacher Report live shows where you can go talk to him uh, and you can check that out. Download the Bleacher Report app and you can look for him on there and do it. Or if you're on the website, you'll find the video as well. He's, you know, he's, same. Were you wearing the same hat when you did it today? Actually, no. I, I had the clean fade. Oh, that's right. You don't have hats on. I had clean fade. I had get professional look going. I get the gym rat mo. They get the professional mo. You, you get the hood version of Mo. They get the professional nine to five. <laughs> Midtown Mo. Midtown Mo. We're gonna, should I, come into the studio I need, with a suit on. If any of our, if any of our listeners out there uh, make music, I don't care if it's as a hobby. I don't care if it's hip hop, if it's rock, whatever it is, please do a Midtown Mo show. Or theme song, song, excuse me. The theme song. Yes, we need a Mo Midtown Mo theme song. So I'm putting the challenge out there. We will play it on the show. We will have a Midtown Mo segment every show so everybody will hear your song. We'll give you plugs. All right, my man. I'll talk to you on Thursday. Absolutely. All right. Uh, we guys appreciate you being here with us. Do us a favor. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Also, when you're up there, hit the auto download. And by the way, up on iTunes, go give us a five-star rating if you would. We would appreciate that. Uh, we appreciate you guys and all of your support. And look forward to talking to you next time. For Mo Moten, I'm Scott Branson, And for our producer, David Stepanian, have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you on Thursday, Raider Nation. Bye-bye now.